It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And welcome back to Decal Download. I'm Reg Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, as always, with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Georgia's Child Care and Parent Services, or CAPS program, provides scholarships to help with the cost of child care so parents can work or attend school. The program not only helps families navigate their children's early years, but also connects families with resources to help them become self-sufficient. And Commissioner, with many child care learning centers and family child care learning homes now closed due to COVID-19, many CAPS families have been impacted. Absolutely. Families have been impacted. They may or may not uh, still be attending some type of child care, their regular child care, or looking for other options. And then child care in general, either centers or family child care homes, obviously have been impacted uh, if they have closed. So joining us to talk about CAPS and the impact of COVID-19 and the public health state of emergency here in Georgia is Elizabeth Casper, Deputy Commissioner for the CAPS program. Elizabeth joins us from her home as we continue to work remotely and observe the governor's shelter-in-place order. Elisabetta, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. This uh, We talked a little bit last week with uh, the commissioner and with uh, Pam Stevens from our Child Services Division. This is a little different. How, how have you been dealing with all of this working from home, uh, overseeing a staff that is really statewide? How's it going? Well, I think we've just had to be creative in a lot of ways, but in a lot of other ways, there's definite perks. I get to sleep a little later in the morning, and I enjoy that. Um, I think my dogs have become very accustomed to me being at home and will go through total <laughs> withdrawals when I leave to go back to the office that whenever that is. <laughs> right. When that day comes, there are going to be pets in mourning, I think. It's, it's <laughs> going to be a difficult transition, but glad you're doing well. Well, Elizabeth, um, I'm going to jump right in with our first question uh, having to do with if a CAPS provider closes, how difficult is it to move to another provider, especially under these circumstances for a family? Um, It's not difficult at all. Uh, If a provider closes and the family uh, is still in need of care and needing to go to, to work, they would just contact us in the usual way. They can go on to Gateway and Um, request a change of provider that way, or they can contact us through our contact us um, on our CAPS website at www.caps.decal.ga.gov, or they can call us. So any of those different ways will work, and we'll be glad to process their change to a different provider. Have there been any other policy changes in the CAPS program due to COVID-19? Yeah, there there definitely have. Um, We have multiple changes with regard to payment and how we're paying um, child care providers with regard to eligibility and um, even with adding a new priority group. And those are all detailed in a memo um, that we continuously reissue as we make changes to it. Um, And that can also be found on DECAL's COVID um, page on our website, as well as on the CAPS website. 
And one of the first things DECAL did in response to this crisis was determine that open or closed, we would continue to pay for Georgia's pre-K program, and we would continue to pay for CAP scholarships, even if children were not in attendance. Is that an unusual move? Yeah, it definitely is. Typically in CAPS, children would be required to attend um, in order for providers to receive payment for their care. But given the circumstances in these unprecedented times, we knew that we needed to have a method for to help support programs um, as they go through all the various things they have to go through right now and to at least help support them financially in hopes that they can continue to support the staff that work for them as well. I was going to say maybe a little bit of a reminder for folks that don't know as much about the CAPS program. These payments go directly to the providers, as they always do. Yes, that's correct. So a provider goes into our system. We issue scholarships to a family at a particular location, and then the provider goes into our system and bills on those scholarships. And then the and then we pay that provider for the care um, based on our payment rates. All right. And Elizabeth, have we determined how long we will continue to pay like this? Well, since nobody knows exactly how long all this is going to go on, we're just going um, uh, with a couple of weeks at a time. So right now we are um, uh, committed to paying like this and in, in this method um, until April 24th. And um, the week um, before that that expires or that week that it expires, we will reevaluate. And if the need continues and we're still in the same circumstances, um, I would think that we would try to continue on this way. Um, But it it should be noted that it does there there is a a cost, a higher cost to, to decal right now in doing payment this way because we're allowing programs to charge us at the full rate for um, every child that um, is either in their care or who is staying home um, or if they're closed. And so that that does um, generate a cost. And so we have to be mindful um, and, and careful to make sure we have the funds to support it as long as we're still doing it. So Georgia's pre-K closed for the rest of the school year. CAPS is paying full-time rates for children that would typically be in the before and after school category, if a provider is getting payment for a child from both CAPS and another state or federal program like Georgia's pre-K or early Head Start, is that an issue? No, we have, that's another one of the policies in that memo I mentioned that we have um, suspended. So typically you're not allowed to charge both CAPS and pre-K, for example. So if the child is attending the normal pre-K day, and then has a CAP scholarship in the afternoon for aftercare, you would charge, pre-K would pay for during the typical school day, and CAPs would pay in the afternoon. However, um, during these times, um, because things are totally out of whack for um, everybody, and not everybody's even operating, and as you mentioned, pre-K is not even going to be operating for the rest of the school year, we have suspended that policy and it is okay to be charging or getting paid for both um, the child through pre-K and the same child um, through CAPS at a full-time rate. So we call that layered funding. So anyone that's familiar with CAPS knows their eligibility requirements and priority groups, but has the COVID-19 crisis created a new priority group or eligibility requirements for the CAPS program? Yes. Um, 
as in a response to the the anticipated need of the community of essential workforce who we believe will have to continue to go to work or we know will have to continue to go to work um, to help on the front lines of fighting the COVID-19 pandemic, um, we created a priority group in CAPS to help support those folks who still have to go to work. So how would a family apply under this new essential services workforce priority group and what are the eligibility requirements? So a family would go through our qualityrated.org website and they would um, go ahead on the page where they, when they first enter um, into the www.qualityrated.org site and they would do what's called the child care search. They would put in their search criteria and there they can indicate if they were um, to need non-traditional hours, like on weekends or evenings, they could put that in the search as well as obviously their location. And then um, they'll get a listing of programs that are open and um, currently serving children right now. And once they are on that search results page, there's a button they can push to get additional help if they're in the essential services workforce. And when they do that, a referral, um, they'll fill out a little bit of information and a referral will go to our All Georgia Kids call center who will help connect them to, ch- to open childcare that they need, that meets their needs. And then in addition, they'll have an opportunity to say that they would like to be a part of this priority group. Um, on um, still while they're on that web form. And once they indicate that, it will ask them a few more questions. And then a referral will get, if they pass that that screener um, for eligibility, a referral will get sent to CAPS. And right now, this particular um, essential services workforce priority group um, has uh, the same eligibility criteria as the rest of um, the CAPS program, which would be a particular income requirement based on their family size. They are required to be working as the intent of this priority group is to support um, people who have to go to work during this time um, and actually um, help um, fight the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, there is a work requirement there of a minimum of 24 hours per week. And, uh, and then there's some other eligibility requirements around um, citizenship and residency that they're a Georgia resident and things like that. But they can find full information about this on uh, both a link from where they would apply as well as on our CAPS website. You know, it's fascinating with all these things going on and all the changes that have uh, come about over the past few weeks because of COVID-19. I'm wondering, um, for families who are listening, is CAPS currently accepting new applicants? Yes, we are. And um, in addition to this essential services workforce priority group, who we are trying to expedite applications to to support them in any way that we can, Um, We are processing all of our regular priority groups at this time as well. So as we know, our entire DECAL team is working remotely, including um, our CAPS team. Uh, How are applications, renewals, or case changes being handled during this work remotely time? That's a great question. So family support and scholarship administration are the two teams who process the bulk of our applications, renewals, and case changes. And at this time, 
Um, family support is uh, working at home as they typically have. Um, this is not new for them. They have been remote. They're out in the communities, and um, but staying at home right now. They process all of our renewals and our um, financial changes. So if somebody has a change in their financial circumstances. And right now, um, our quality rated subsidy grant team is actually helping as well as some other folks in other teams with our non-financial changes. So this would be like a change um, in provider, for example. And so we are so appreciative of their being able to switch gears a little bit from their typical work stream to help with these case changes. And then scholarship administration is still processing all of our applications, but it is very different for them because typically they are in the decal offices um, at downtown on Capitol Hill. And so um, they are now working at home and doing it very successfully. We are processing as many applications as we were before they were working at home and they are doing well with um, the resources that they have and um, continuing to process applications at the typical rate that we, we would, would normally do. So Elizabeth, for existing CAPS families, if their child care provider has closed and they still need child care for work or school, what, what are their options? They should follow that process that I detailed a little bit earlier where they go to our qualityrated.org site and they do a child care search. And once those search results come up, if they aren't satisfied with what they're seeing or they need more help, they can click that button I mentioned and saying, I need more help, basically finding child care. And the All Georgia Kids Call Center will um, even reach out to, other, to programs for them to make sure it meets their needs. They will do everything they can to connect them with open care. But even so, even with the resources on our site, it's not even necessary to talk to someone if somebody doesn't want to. They are fully able to tell from the way that, that we have asked providers to report to us and the way we're displaying it on our website, who is currently operating right now and who is closed. So um, there's lots of resources out there for us to help you to find um, care if you're somebody in a situation where you're having difficulty. So uh, during these times, I would say that self-quarantine and self-isolation are uh, two terms that we're hearing uh, quite frequently. But in relation to a child that does receive CAPS, if he or she uh, needs to be isolated for 14 days and cannot attend child care, is the family still required to pay the weekly fees? That is a decision made by the child care provider. Uh, it's a relationship as far as the financial relationship between the um, child care program and the family. So what I mean by that is CAPS pays, um, pay, has certain payment rates that we pay. Sometimes a child care provider charges more than that amount. And then, of course, there is a family fee for many families in the CAPS program as well. And so if the provider charges more than, than what CAPS pays, then the family is responsible for paying their family fee as well as the difference. And it, it, in between, excuse me, the difference between the CAPS rate and what the provider charges. And so um, many uh, child care providers are making arrangements with families in these circumstances where their child can't attend because of isolation or something like that. Um, but um, it is up to the child care provider. 
part of why we're paying the full-time rates that we're paying, which are higher than normal, is to try to um, support providers. And we are um, encouraging them and hope that they will pass some of that benefit along to families and not charge them when their child is not attending if they're able to. We're looking at all these different circumstances, trying to anticipate questions that those of you that are listening today may have. Here's the next one. What if the family member is on a temporary layoff? Um, The family member should not worry as far as CAPS is concerned, assuming that they're enrolled in the CAPS program. And that's the the temporary layoff that we're talking about. They would um, typically be entered into a period of what we call job search that would allow them to find another um, job. Uh, But we understand that under these circumstances, we're in a completely different world right now. And that finding another job may be really difficult. And they may not want to because they may, um, as you mentioned, temporary layoff. They may be going back to their original employer. So bottom line is it does not impact your eligibility right now. Um, I would encourage families to go ahead and tell us um, because we would be able to reduce your family fee if you have uh, if your income has changed to to be zero um, if you're temporarily laid off or uh, even if it's just reduced because someone else in your household has income as well. Uh, we would be able to reduce your family fee. So if you let us know, that would be a little bit less that you would be responsible for paying the provider if you are still having to pay the provider. Um, if uh, you're not, even if your child is not attending. So correct arrival and departure records are very important for all CAPS providers. That's our way of ensuring that children are receiving care that we're paying for. What changes to these requirements have been implemented due to COVID-19, Elisabetta? Um, That's a great question. We have uh, many childcare providers who have had to alter how they receive children at their site. So um, there may be Childcare providers who are doing health checks or temperature checks when their children arrive. And there may be providers who are asking families to drop children off at the door. And all of those types of circumstances aren't conducive to our policies that require parents or the person who's designated responsible to actually sign their child in and out or to, to type in their code on a, um, on a computer system or something like that. So we have suspended our policy that requires that. So for the time being, um, a child, excuse me, a family would be able to drop their child off in the ways that child care providers are asking them to. And the child care provider can designate how they want to do the sign in, sign out. So in many cases, that means that they're having one staff member so that they can reduce having to pass pen and paper around or the, the different people who are typing on a computer, if it's a code or something like that, and they're avoiding somebody having to come in their lobby necessarily. And so we are in support of anything that is going to help keep families and staff healthy and safe. And so um, we have suspended that policy. There is no need for a provider to, to worry that um, they're not they're doing that record keeping in a different way would negatively impact them as far as we're concerned. Um, and our audits division, um, who, who goes out and actually does program integrity for the CAPS program, is very much aware of these policies and the policy suspensions. And if an audit were to occur that includes any of this time period, they would definitely take into account any policy that we have waived, such as this one, and would understand 
if they saw records where a staff person signed children in the same staff person signed children in and out. I mention all this very specifically because I know it is a worry for childcare providers. And I definitely don't want those, those who are remaining open to be worrying about that when they have plenty of other things to be worrying about right now. Hmm. Let's say a family is unable to pay their CAPS weekly assessed fee because they've lost their job. Is there anything they can do? Um, I think that that's similar to that temporary layoff um, uh, answer, and that is that they should definitely contact us because we, if they've lost their job, we will be able to um, make a case change that will reduce their family fee um, so that they can um, have a little bit less financial responsibility, hopefully, to the center. Now, our family fees are already pretty low, um, and so... Um, we have a fee structure that either has somebody with no family fee or with three, five, or seven percent of their income, depending on what their income is. So it may, um, as you can imagine from those different buckets, actually reduce the amount to go ahead and um, reach out to us and let us know. Elizabeth, we've tried to answer uh, many questions, but there may be others that um, parents or families or providers have. So what is the best way to reach someone with the CAPS program during this time? They can reach out to us in all of our typical ways, um, which would include uh, on our CAPS website, there's a contact us web form that can be filled out. And again, our CAPS website would be www.caps dot decal dot ga dot gov or they can call us one eight three three four ga caps or that's what that translates to is one eight three three four four two 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 seven seven and elizabeth any final messages for your team as well as the caps families that you serve during we always say it, unprecedented, uncharted uh, times that we're going through. What would you like to say to them today? Um, I want to say a giant thank you um, to my team because they have, I mean, taken all these different circumstances that have been thrown at them, just like many others. It's they're, they're certainly not alone in having to adjust routines, but I have been so impressed with their level of uh, maintaining their uh, workloads, um, despite having children and family members at home, even those who are typically used to working in a home office still have many things to contend with. We're all anxious and worried about what's going to happen and how long this will go on and, and all of that. And I just have been so proud of them for maintaining the work that we do and doing it well, um, as well as being extremely flexible when we've thrown brand new things like a new priority group and having to do them very quickly at them. So I want to say a, a huge thank you um, to my staff for all of their hard work. I also um, would want to offer families out there the um, assurances that we are here to support you that we um, totally, again, understand some of the challenges that you're facing and the worries that you have, and that you can rely on us, that we are going to do everything we can to help maintain your eligibility and your scholarship, um, and to not allow things that are beyond your control 
to negatively impact your being able to be enrolled in the CAPS program if you're a family. And also those assurances for providers that as long as we are able to continue to, to pay in the way that, that we have been, we will try to, to do that. And that while we do have to just look at it every couple of weeks and extend it, um, that way, that is because we are trying to be fiscally responsible and careful. Um, it is not because we don't want to continue. Um, as long as the need is there, we will do everything in our power to be able to support all the providers we can and all of the families we can, as DECAL always does. You know, one thing I hope people are hearing, and it's a word not often associated with government agencies, but the word is flexibility. And through all of this, this is a huge curveball that's been thrown at all of us uh, with a pandemic. And we've tried to be, from the very start, as flexible as possible uh, to help the families that we serve. Case in point, you've heard often on this podcast uh, and throughout all of our social media, on our website, uh, in webinars, you've heard about the quality rated CAPS 2020 deadline. And uh, that was December 31st, uh, 2020. And Elizabeth, that's been extended a little bit. Yeah, that's correct. Um, we haven't decided yet what that extension will be, but we know it will be at least six months. So the new deadline would not be prior to June 30th um, of 2021. And while... Um, uh, we do want to be clear that we're still committed to that goal. Uh, we, we recognize that right now um, there's just a whole lot to contend with for programs and that they aren't able to, act, to focus on preparing to, 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 for quality and for a quality rated observation and all that goes along with that. And so um, we want to support programs, as I mentioned before, and we don't want you to worry about the deadline because we've definitely pushed it out and that pushes out all the dates that we've communicated um, previously. But we are um, definitely still committed to high quality care and that um, eventually all CAPS providers will be quality rated. So a couple of new dates uh, for our listeners, and that is June, and they're both June 30th, and this can be a little confusing. So listen closely, June 30th, 2020 is the targeted date for us to resume the observations, quality rated observations for programs looking to be quality rated. Again, the deadline is all about any program receiving CAP subsidies needs to be quality rated originally by the end of 2020. Now we're looking at the earliest June 30th, 2021, although that date is subject to change. But again, June 30th, 2020, that's when we began, hopefully, officially reinstating our quality-rated observations out in child care programs all around the state. And then the next date, tentative, June 30th, 2021, uh, the potential deadline. But we will keep you updated on that. But that's a minimum of six months added to the previous deadline because of all the changes and uh, all of the challenges that are happening as a result of COVID-19. Elizabeth, thanks so much for this is very enlightening and I hope everybody uh, got all the information they need uh, and best of luck to you and your team. I think you're right. They have uh, proven to be really terrific at to being flexible through this whole process. We want to give the website again. It's www.caps.decal.gov. 
or you can call the CAPS team at 1-833-4-G-A-CAPS. That's 1-833-4-G-A-CAPS. Elisabetta, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, my name is Molly. I work in the nutrition division, and my question for the commissioner is, how can families find an emergency feeding meal site in their area? Well, that's a great question, Molly. I know a lot of families are uh, looking for meals, especially since school is out for the rest of the year. So families can find a current list of our emergency feeding meal sites by county. It's on our website, which is decal.ga.gov under documents on our COVID-19 resource page. And then our federal partners, the USDA, has launched an online tool called Meals for Kids Site Finder. Um, And you can use their interactive map to find local sites where kids can get meals for free. I would recommend just Googling that. Um, The website is very long. I'll give it to you. But it's it's fns.usda.gov slash meals number four kids. But again, I would Google meals for kids USDA and that should pop up as another option to find emergency feeding sites. You know, it's been kind of unusual. A lot of our summer food service sponsors that normally would not kick in until later in the year have come on board early uh, to help with emergency feeding sites. And I know we want to thank all of them. They have done a great job. I think uh, last count, we had 300 sites uh, throughout the state that are helping with meals. And as soon as those, you know, they apply, we get those approved as quickly as possible because we know how important it is for us to do everything we can to work with these sponsors to get meals out the door for kids and families. Absolutely. So take advantage of that. There is one near you and uh, we encourage you to do that. Uh, Since we've got the time, let's go back to the water cooler for one more question. Good morning, I'm Ann Pansica and I work in the Instructional Supports Division. My question for the commissioner is, we know the negative impacts that this pandemic has had. Do you see any positive changes as a result of this? Well, thanks, Ann. It's always uh, good to focus on the positive in these uh, unprecedented times. Um, I would say just decal specific, uh, the decal team has come together um, like no other team I've ever worked with. Uh, they are incredible, uh, rising to the challenge that uh, we didn't really know what to expect. And so we jumped on uh, the chance to make sure we made policy decisions, to make sure money was still flowing out the door. But then we've gotten really creative to make sure that we have resources available for providers and families. We know it's different for everyone at this point. Uh, There are resources for children to do at home to continue learning. There are resources for staff to continue professional development. Um, All types of things like that that we've never really had to do. Um, But our team and every division uh, at every level at DECAL has really stepped up to the challenge. And I'm really proud to be part of that team. You know, most of our employees work from uh, remote locations, home offices. Our team on Capitol Hill, not as accustomed to that. I think they've done a great job of really working together. Yeah, I think everyone's adjusted really well and productivity uh, is still is still up. I'm adjusting to it as well. I'm always in the office. So uh, not only are we adjusting to working from home, you know, we're adjusting to having our whole family at home with us as well, which is <laughs> uh, usually not the case when we allow folks to work from home. Uh, but these are uh, unique times and circumstances. And so we're trying to be as flexible as possible. And our staff is still getting the work done, even with all these challenges at home as well. So very, very grateful for that. 
Time for the decal download quiz, your chance to win a nice prize by answering a question correctly and having your name drawn from all the correct answers. Send your response to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. What new CAPS eligibility group has been created by COVID-19? What new CAPS eligibility group has been created by COVID-19? Answer that question correctly. We'll draw a name from all the correct answers and award a prize. The address is decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.